Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 228th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds podcast and we are welcoming the new year with a series on heart and mind connection and this week I am speaking with Dr. Rolika Ojo. As a medical doctor turned graphic designer, Rolika's job has always been helping people to get better. Previously she did this by treating patients and today she does this by making health and wellness experiences more intuitive and rewarding. Her focus is branding and user experience interface, UX stroke UI design, that helps clinicians and healthcare providers build trusting relationships with their audience. She now advocates for the importance of design in healthcare and helps other health professionals carve their own path through the podcast, Brand New Doctor, which is excellent, and public speaking engagements. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Rolika, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here, honestly. Oh, it's a real pleasure. And of course, we're going to talk about your podcast more, but congratulations and um, really looking forward to getting into this conversation. So I read your bio out, um, but I think it's really nice for listeners to hear what you're working on at the moment. Yeah, so my career is all about answering the question, how can we make the experience of healthcare more human, more rewarding, more intuitive, all of these things? And how can we do that through the power of design, really? And so I am focusing on my work as a graphic designer, and I'm really building out my portfolio, working with health tech companies, healthcare companies, and thinking about how branding and digital design specifically can help to build stronger more trusting relationships with their with their audience and so that I find really rewarding because a lot of the time I I think that in other kind of commercial scenarios we have an understanding that a human connection is really important but for some reason that's missing a lot of the time when it comes to healthcare and how we engage with our healthcare providers a lot of the time we start off that journey online And so with the digital design and the branding, I can really help to start that relationship on a good foot. And with my experience as a doctor as well, I have that understanding of where clinicians are coming from, where patients are coming from and trying to bring those two things together. So that's um, that's the design side of things. But the podcast, and I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about that, is really all about how we can carve our own career paths in healthcare and how doing that is actually better for everyone involved is better for our experience of healthcare if we are being our best selves we're bringing our best selves to the table and so i love talking to clinicians who are doing this i love talking to other people other industry experts who have a perspective on healthcare that maybe we don't hear when we're in the healthcare environment because it's kind of an echo chamber and just seeing how people are maybe doing something a little bit different with their career Are they doing something alongside their career? Are they creating a new alternative path for themselves? Are they talking about a subject that we don't put enough or we don't um, pay enough attention to? And I hope that by doing that, I can help people who are feeling quite disempowered at this time, who maybe feel creatively stifled as well, because, you know, this healthcare career path is oftentimes kind of stifling because we are following a path a lot of the time and I want to show that it is possible to carve your own path as well. 
Yeah. So on that, how did you transition and what made you want to transition from being a medical doctor to a graphic designer? And also, I don't know what speciality you were. So if you want to say about what what specific um, interests in medicine that you had. Yeah. So I I guess I guess if I go back a little bit and explain how I got into medicine, you might understand why it is that I left. Um, but ultimately, I think you know my early ex- my earliest experiences um, of school in the UK coming over from Nigeria were not great, and they left me feeling stupid for lack of a better word, really. And so a lot of my career, my schooling career, and my my working career was about proving myself and proving that the opposite was true. And um, and so that's kind of how I, I got into medicine in the first place, thinking that it was like the ultimate way to prove that I wasn't stupid. Um, and so really getting there, I realized that it wasn't really it wasn't for me. It wasn't um, it wasn't something that I could see myself doing in the long run, because it is a really difficult, grueling kind of career. And if you don't have a passion for the clinical side of things, then it really doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you to be, be there torturing yourself, essentially doing something you don't really have a deep passion for. And I felt that there were other ways that I could help people that weren't so punishing to me at the same time. So I, I stayed until up for three years. I I trained for six years and then I worked for three years. I, didn't specialize it was actually the point at the point where I would need to think about specializing that I decided that I would leave and I would pursue something else and so I first of all took a bit of time out for myself I I lived in France for a little bit of time for not very long it was about six months I was teaching English as a foreign language I explored project management in the tech industry I then worked with my sister who owns a dental practice I was managing the business side of things. And it was really there that I discovered that my love of creativity, the the things that I, you know, I really have a passion for were actually, they had a place in healthcare. They were valuable in a healthcare setting because I could see that a lot of other dental practices didn't pay attention to these things. They didn't care so much about the the feeling that people had when they walked in and that kind of human touch that I think is so necessary when you are going somewhere that frightens you like a dentist. And so that was really when I decided that, you know, I would go to design school. I think that for a long time, I wanted to be a designer. It was kind of a, a passion of mine for a long time, but I couldn't find a clear enough way that I would use those skills and it wasn't until I could see that I could combine combine those two things that I decided that I would go to design school and see how I could make it work. And I think that's such an amazing story because um, we're going to talk a little bit more about culture and culture connections and expectations but you know that fact that the heart and mind so and that's not to say that the work that you do now doesn't have a mind and logic and thinking element to it at all but the mind mm-hmm. saying you know you were really good at school you are really smart in an academic sense and then going wait a second my heart's not enjoying this so yeah, exactly. what does the yeah what does the term heart and mind connection mean to you yeah and I think this is such a good question it really had me thinking because I guess when you talk about heart and mind it's it's kind of another these are words that I maybe haven't really attached to my experience but they are so so relevant to to what I've been through and what a lot of other people who are in an environment that they don't feel is entirely right for them feel. And I really think that your heart is 
really where all of your dreams, your aspirations, the things that you are passionate about are. I think that's that's what your heart holds. Whereas I think your mind is more about logic and about making things practically happen. And I think what causes a lot of pain for people is a kind of disconnect between those two things that your heart wants something, but your mind is telling you that you shouldn't or you can't have something for whatever reason. And that was, you know, that was definitely true for me for um, a long time when it came to design work, I suppose. I think I, I think that I I wanted to be a designer. I wanted to do something creative, but my mind was telling me that, uh, oh, there, there aren't really jobs in this environment or you can't make any money in this in this space. And, and it's ridiculous because you went to medical school. Why would you throw all of that away? And um, and so, yeah, that caused me a lot of pain for a long time. And it wasn't until I could get my heart and my mind on the same side where what I wanted was also um, what my my mind was trying to make happen in reality. When my mind could see that it was possible, then it, it kind of came, started to come together. It's not to say that I don't still have these struggles now, but I do think that the key is to be able to have both of them on the same side and and a big part of that is about really how we talk to ourselves um because your mind is keeping you company most of the time <laughs> so um so yeah that's what i think heart and mind it's about what we want and what we think is actually possible and i think there's another bit to that actually it's global majority black diaspora communities which i think is Mm -hmm. however we define community and what our families expect of us and that whole thing yeah. around sacrifice being grateful being thankful Absolutely. not disrespecting yeah. disrespecting elders so and and I think that for me I don't know what you think but it's split between heart and mind as well yeah massively I think that I think that for so long I mean I can't I can't speak for everyone but as a black person I think that there's a lot that maybe other people will be able to relate to as well where we've been in survival mode for so long where our, it's been up to our mind to kind of help us to get through a difficult time that it is you know it's really hard to start thinking about what you really want and what makes you happy I think to be honest you know when you have real legitimate problems right in front of you the idea of what you really want and happiness is actually it feels irrelevant it maybe feels even cruel to ask someone to think about those things at that time when it feels so so far away from them and that was definitely you know, with my experience, I'm I'm first generation technically, but I grew up here from the age of three. And my mum is, you know, the older generation is is just so far removed from this idea of following your dreams. I just don't I don't think that that is what leads them to make the decisions that they make. I don't think that what happiness necessarily is a big deciding factor. It's not to say that they don't think about these things at all. But um, I think there's a different kind of approach to it. My mum, God bless her, honestly, she she is really supportive of what I do now. But it didn't make sense to her when I told her that I didn't want to continue with medicine. It was just out of the realm of reason or possibility for her. And I remember telling her she asked me why why would you want to do this I remember telling her that it was because I wanted to be happy and doing what I do right now doesn't make me happy and even as those words were coming out of my mouth I could hear how ridiculous that would sound to her I felt silly in that moment 
even talking about happiness because I know that happiness isn't necessarily a big deciding factor for her. So um so yeah I think I think that I think that it is really difficult if you if you are part of a global majority and you have this kind of background of trying to make ends meet or stability or moving country and all of those disrupting things that you have to kind of get a handle on it's really really hard to then shift into the mode of now it's it's now that you're okay you're not putting out fires how can you make space for joy in your life and actually go for the things that you want to I think that's so true and so much resonated with me and what you're saying. I think it's almost like what's happiness got to do with it, for God's sake. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's not articulated like that, I'm not trying to put put words in your mum's mouth or represent swathes of people. But um, yesterday on a friend's Facebook story, actually, there was a really interesting story she'd put up and it was nine squares and it was about capitalism. And it was, um, I can't remember all of them, but it was like, you know, if you rest, you're lazy, you have to deserve rest. Um, you must be traditionally successful. Um, mm. um um, um, if you work hard you'll get success and I thought wow these things are all the things I, I was I grew up with and I messaged her saying this is basically summarizes my slice of South Asian culture and she was like well you can see how endemic capitalism is and I thought yes but I do think Gujarati culture is very into that um, and yeah. yet um, and then I was listening to an audio book and it was about Punjabi families and they, it was it's a it's like a comedy book but then this woman opened the door and she was Gujarati and they and it said in the book she had a face like she'd sucked a load of lemons and I burst out laughing because I was like wow that is that is you know that summarizes a lot of people I know from you know the community and so I, I think you know you've touched on some of them but is there anything else you think about the challenges for uh, you know, from your perspective as an individual person who identifies as black, but also trends that you've seen and from your podcast as well in how to connect heart and mind, particularly when coming to when it comes to making decisions about career changes. It's a good question. I think that there is definitely the cultural aspect of things where we've been taught. I mean, I think it's a similar kind of thing, not just in Nigeria, but in other parts of the world, being a doctor, being a lawyer or an engineer there, there's one of five careers that you can choose from essentially if you want to be thought of as successful and so there's that kind of expectation but I think that when you are in a kind of caring environment there's a, a lot of expectation as a whole from society no matter where you're from that can really feed into that feeling that you shouldn't follow your heart um, you you feel like maybe your heart is betraying you because you should only ever really want to care for people and if you if you feel that you want to move away and you need to look after yourself then that's somehow being selfish right and um, I think that that is a, a huge uh, source of pain for people because there's just so much guilt around that um, and again I think that that is a kind of disconnect that we have between our heart and our minds essentially that our heart wants something but our mind is telling us that we shouldn't want that thing and um, and so yeah I, I think that I think that comes up a fair amount I actually I recently spoke about um, my experience of this of someone you know someone asked me well I get people people ask me relatively frequently actually if I feel bad about about leaving medicine um in various ways in their own way they'll ask me kind of that question I guess ultimately they're all trying to ask me like do you feel selfish for for what you've done and um and really I've I've 
I've started to look at it as, you know, there are so many reasons why we go into the things that we're going into and we have our values that guide us in our lives through throughout our lives and the decision to do something or not do something shouldn't be based upon is this selfish or is this not selfish because that's not helpful really we should be asking does this align with our values or does it not align with our values because then we're actually judging ourselves on what we care about and what we need in our lives and also balancing that you know does this align with my values and is this also tenable for me as a human being is this an environment that I can survive in and that I that is enriching to me as a person to my soul as well um it's it's also important to balance that you know whatever good we're doing in the world can't be destroying us at the same time and I think like you said with a lot of the trauma that may be conscious or unconscious through our legacies through our histories of which I'm still really discovering um we might Mm -hmm. not know that and there's a there's a reverberation that I think sometimes we have to discover because it is seen as really indulgent. And in episode 199 mm-hmm. with the lovely Nana Parry, we talk about this. So he's got he talks about his Ghanaian heritage and how when he transitioned to being an entreprener, his parents were really upset with him. But he's super successful. He sold businesses and he said now they think it was their idea. So we had a little laugh <laughs> about that on the episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's it's that thing. And and in that episode, and I'll say it again now, I talk about the fact that um, I went to see Nish Kumar talk. Um, it was like an interview. It wasn't mm. a stand-up show. And he said, you know, it, it, speaking specifically about Asian parents um, in the wider sense, that they're not trying to be killjoys, but we're so terrified of being chucked out. You know, he's got Sri Lankan heritage that we're trying to make ourselves indispensable. But yeah. we forget that actually we have to kind of trust and, and and think things will be okay but that's really hard to do if that's not your lived experience mm-hmm. yeah I think I think that I you know I, I again I don't want to presume with other cultures but I would say that kind of collectivist non-western cultures are very much built on respect and that's definitely the case in Nigeria where I'm from and respect is just everything and this lends itself really well to people who you know want to go into medicine and go into these types of careers because it's they are very much about following a path and about obedience which is something that we're very very practiced in in our cultures and um and so you find that you know when I when I went to when I went to medical school um when I was just going to I think just doing my A-levels as well I remember going into a new kind of environment from I'd I'd previously been learning and I was at a school that was kind of I suppose lower middle class majority white and lower to middle class majority white kind of school I was one of four black children not children teenagers in a class of over 200 and the experience there I never felt that I fit in there um but I always kind of stood out in terms of my academics because I would do what the teacher told me to do <laughs> essentially I would I would follow instructions and so when people would turn up and they'd say you know I haven't done my homework I would just be like why I, it just didn't make sense to me like why wouldn't you do that an adult told you to do your homework and you didn't do it it didn't make any sense to me um because I was just so used to doing whatever my mom told me to do and so you know I'm grateful on the one hand um that I had that kind of upbringing from my parents because it did it did teach me about you know how to do well in school I learned how to follow instructions and all of these things but the problem is that um 
it can go too far sometimes that if we if we carry that kind of good student obedient child kind of mentality throughout our lives it can actually be kind of crippling to us in terms of like now is a time you're an adult no, because our culture never turns around and says oh now is your time to to do what you want to um you are forever a child in in your culture's eyes in fact because you're not the, you're never the oldest actually um and so until you're perhaps the matriarch or patriarch of your family. So you can hold on to that kind of good student, good good child mentality into your 40s and your 50s and still be doing the job that your parents want you to, the job that your culture wants you to. And I think that's a real shame. So, you know, it would be great if there was some kind of emancipation type of ceremony or... <laughs> Or or something like that, but I don't I don't know if typically we have that kind of rite of passage, so we have to kind of learn to give that to ourselves, particularly if you are coming from a non-Western kind of environment. It's so beautifully put, and it kind of gave me goosebumps as you were talking because I completely agree with you. And I think you know when you when you decide not to have children as well, I think this is all cultures actually. I don't think this is just about global majority cultures at all. Mm. You can be responsible, you could win every prize in the world, but I think you're just no, not like you said, you're not really seen as a yeah, I think that there's something, and and when you were talking, it's exactly the same for me, my experience of my South Asian culture. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think there's something in society that if you don't, you know, you know, living in the wet in the global yeah. north, um, you you know, you're not a mum. So what do you really know? Um, so yeah. that's another interesting element for me. And I think you know, you said you're, you're a child even in your 40s and 50s. I definitely feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an interesting point that you raised though about children, because I I guess the this is. It's not it's obviously not the same thing, but that that assertion that a decision that you have made for yourself is somehow selfish. I've always really struggled with that idea that, you know, when people ask me, do I feel selfish? I'm like, I I kind of get where they're coming from, but I also kind of don't because it's my job. And it's the same, you know, if you're having children, why we I think we need to ask these questions more often that why would someone jump to that conclusion when it's your body? ultimately I, I i don't know <laughs> yeah it it is it's it's fascinating um, yeah but and you know the work that you do um and the conversations that you have on your podcast they they they, they probably nourish you but we also have to think about we've been talking about our own mental health and well-being so how do you do mm-hmm. that how do you look after your own mental health what are your top three tips yes yes i actually wrote these down so i wouldn't forget yeah so i i had to think about this because i i don't know if i had ever thought in such clear terms as to what it is that I do but um I'd say you know number one for me is just having something in my in my life that I can be completely present with for me that's gymnastics so a lot of a lot of my day I feel like I'm planning or thinking about the future and and I can feel oftentimes that you know I'm always projecting uh, forwards and um, it can be hard to get into a moment of flow at times, um, even as a designer, um, when it's creative, it's supposed to be all about creativity. And so I need to have something in my week that allows me to just focus on that, you know, for an hour, no matter what's going on in my life, that's where I am doing that thing. And I find that when I go to gymnastics, whatever it is that we're learning, it doesn't matter what's going on outside for that hour. That's all that I'm doing. And I find that so refreshing by the end of it um whatever whatever feelings or emotions i had going into it feel so much more manageable by the end of it and it puts things in perspective so i mean that that's i'd say that's the number one tip for anybody really is to have 
some kind of practice like that it could be creative or it could be sport whatever it is that just allows you to just do what's in front of you for that time and really get fully engrossed in that I think the next thing I would say is just spending time with people who love you no matter what happens in your life no matter what you achieve or don't achieve in your life I think is so so important I know it's maybe it's said too much but I just think it's so so important for you to celebrate with the people now that you would want to celebrate with when you have your big win because you already have those people and you maybe you don't have that big win yet or whatever else it is that you think you are kind of putting your your self-worth on but you have those people in your life so I think it's really really important no matter what's going on in our lives to make time for the people that really care about us I have three nieces and a nephew and I just I get so much energy from being around them and I, I love seeing these kids and I can be doing anything anything going on in my life and I just have to make a bit of time for that because I'll never get that back ultimately I'll never get back their childhood I'll never get back time that I could have been spending with them um, and I guess the last thing I would say is just again talking about that kind of heart and mind connection is about really working on your mind I guess because I think that your mind as I say your mind is kind of the thing that keeps you company all of the time it's always talking <laughs> at least for me you're always thinking I know there's some people I've met some people where I ask them what are you thinking and they say nothing and I kind of don't believe that's true <laughs> I don't know how that's possible but I guess what I'm trying to say is that your your inner voice is kind of the inner inner environment that you are living with as well so it's really really important for you to take care of that and make sure that you are creating a, a compassionate inner environment for yourself in the same way that a toxic working environment can be really damaging to us as people. The same goes for a toxic inner environment too. And so, you know, I had someone come on my podcast recently. Her name is Amy Story. And she was talking about compassion, how important compassion is and teaching that to healthcare professionals from an early point in their career. So they take that with them wherever they go. I think that's, I think it's really important again to, to raise that point because it is, it's not just about our inner voice but it's about the culture that we're creating around us and so it just really reverberates everywhere if you are thinking good kind thoughts towards yourself you move through the world in a different way and you interact with other people in a different way as well so so yeah I, I think those are the main the main things but I would really um I would really focus on the inner environment that you're creating and choosing those kinds of kind voices that you had growing up because the harsh inner voice that you have I've heard a lot of people say isn't actually you it's it's something that you've internalized from somewhere else from a harsh voice you heard as a child you may not even remember where it was from but you can choose kinder voices and think about all of the coaches you've had in your life it can be teachers parents it can be actual sports coaches whoever actually helped you by being compassionate that's the voice that you want to have in your daily life as well. Thank you. Really great, beautiful tips. So finally, if people want to know more about your work, I will, of course, link, include the link in the show notes. How should they contact you and what kind of projects and things are you open to right now? So I am on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me. It's Rola Kaojo. And my, um, my website is rolakaojo.com. 
I'm also on Instagram, but you'll mostly find me on LinkedIn or through my website as well. And I'm open to connecting with anyone who is passionate about how we can make the healthcare experience more human. I'm, I'm, as I say, building my portfolio in the healthcare and the health tech space. So I'm very much open to hearing about kind of opportunities to design better experiences for patients and clinicians, anyone who's involved in the healthcare experience. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Um, really great to kickstart the month. You're our first guest talking about heart-mind connections. I'm so grateful. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And take care listeners and do join us next week where we'll be talking more about heart and mind connection. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.